and with this curdling cry to a night sky, the history of the boy who shall someday be Superman takes on a new and tragic dimension in the Revelation Rock pages of the Prince of the Wolfpack. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Brave and the Bob, and I have a returning guest, my favorite person to occupy soil in Scotland, Sir Martin Gray. How are you, Martin? I'm overwhelmed and indeed flabbergasted by a lovely compliment. Very, very well. Had a cold. Lots better. Thanks. How are you? I am fantastic because number one, I am in good health, but there's slow, like right behind that in second place is because I'm getting to talk to you about a Bob Haney story, which is always fun, right? Zany Haney, completely insane. <laughs> yeah, the last time you and I uh, spoke uh, about him, we uh, talked about a crazy story that I had never read before and you uh, turned me on to, which was Bow Before Satan's Children. And I thought that one was pretty wild. And this one is right up there with it. This is uh, Superboy 180 uh, from cover date December 1971. And this is one that you had bought uh, many, many years ago, correct? I bought it as a child, so I would have been seven years old. In fact, given how long it took them to get to the UK, I probably would have been 80 years old. But this was one that just grabbed me from the cover on. It's just, just magical. <laughs> yeah, so this story is called Prince of the Wolf Pack. And yeah, this cover is absolutely crazy. Uh, every time I look at it, I get uh, the giggles from it. So uh, why don't you describe this uh, cover here for Superboy 180? Well, the cover has... Superboy sort of lunged in a wolf pose above a gang of wolves in the middle of Smallville. And it looks like he's howling. There's no sound or the word blue, but he's probably howling with the wolves. And looking down on Superboy from a building is a couple of guys, probably one is Park Kent, you can't tell at this angle. But uh, the guys are shouting, a wolf pack. And look, leading them is Superboy himself. <laughs> and... What's particularly special about this illustration, which is by, I think, I think Bob Brown and Murphy Anderson, I have a note somewhere, it's, yeah, Bob Brown and Murphy Anderson, is that it's super really, really popped against a black and white background. And the background is, as far as I can tell, unless it's treated in an actual photograph of a building in the town, the town's townscape. So Superboy's in colour, the wolves are in colour. The traps on the building look a little incongruous in colour on the building, but it just really, really pops the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a really cool, funny cover. I really enjoy this one, and I do like at the top too. There's a a backup story we'll we'll touch on lightly, but uh, it says Clark Kent, Madcap Millionaire, <laughs> which is great. Oh, such fun! Forty eight pages, only twenty five cents. So we also had a reprint with a Secret Origin of Bouncing Boy in the Legion. Mm, can you imagine? Oh, I can't even imagine that many pages for twenty five cents. Who oh, boy? Marvelous. <laughs> Oh, okay, so yeah, this is Prince of the Wolf Pack. We have script by our boy Zany Bob Haney and pencils by Bob Brown, inks Murphy Anderson, and letters by John Costanza. So uh, whenever you're ready, my friend, you can regale us with your synopsis for this 15-page uh, story. Absolutely, and because it's a 15-page Bob Haney story, the <laughs> synopsis isn't the shortest of places. I tried to keep it low, keep it down, keep the word count short. Nah, forget it, so please bear with me. Speed up the podcast if you need to. Anyway, we begin in Smallville, where Superboy's foster father, Jonathan Kent, is worried by the return of wolves to the town after 100 years. Also on his mind is businessman Adrian Lycan, who wants cash for helping the town treasurer, Jonathan, secure cheap Mexican labour to save the town some dough on a building project. Lycan is secretly a warlock who's come to the town to destroy Jonathan because he's the most moral man in the neighbourhood, and Lycan just hates goodness. But just as much as he hates goodness, he fears the wolves who pursue him. Because as we all know, wolves sense evil and are immune to magic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lycan hopes to make the wolves go away by killing the pack leader. And he does. One dead wolf. Unfortunately for him, a space probe pings Superboy at that very moment in such a way that Superboy loses his powers and starts leading that very wolf pack, howling through the town. Superboy's new wolf senses would see him pinpoint the warlock but Lycan can shape change. Meanwhile, a mob of small villagers is raised to kill the wolves. Jonathan wants to find his son before the mob do that, so he asks the Mexican workers outside town if they've seen the Prince of the Wolf Pack. They know nothing. The mob find the wolves and their human leader in the forest, and someone shoots the powerless Superboy, but the wolves carry him to the Mexicans, and their doctor tends to him. 
It turns out that the bullet is kryptonite, but in his current non-superpowered state, it doesn't poison Superboy. Superboy tells the Doctor, Manuel, to get all the Mexicans away from the camp because they cannot trust Jonathan Kent, and he says he has an urgent mission of his own to attend to. Lycan, in disguise, reveals to Jonathan that the papers allowing the Mexicans' passage were illegal and tries to blackmail him. <clears throat> in a bid to dampen things down until he can get everything sorted out legally, Jonathan goes back to the cabin, pleads with the workers to hide at his own farm outside Smallville. In case they are seen by the authorities, he has the Mexicans rope themselves together so he can claim they are a prison work gang. Manuel is suspicious, but nevertheless does as Jonathan says. Unfortunately, manoeuvrings by the evil Lycon soon land the truck and the workers in Smallville River. If not for the arrival of Nutso Superboy and his aqua wolves, everyone would have died. <clears throat> Arriving at the town hall, Jonathan finds himself framed for both financial irregularities and the attempted murder of the Mexicans. Jonathan is placed in the town jail while a professional hunter, Yancey, is taken on by the authorities to track down Superboy with kryptonite bullets. Jonathan recognises the eyes of the hunter. It's Lycan in another shape changed body. When everyone has gone, Jonathan finds the jail has been left unlocked, presumably by his friend, Police Chief Parker. The disguised Lycan reaches Superboy at a cave in the hills and the fight ensues. Lycan thinks the Green K bullets give him the advantage, not knowing they are no deadlier than ordinary bullets against Superboy. Of course, if they connect, he's as dead as any ordinary human. The boy of flesh, with the strength and agility of a timber wolf, puts up a fight long enough for the wolves to surround Lycan and scare him away. But Lycan changes into a bat and flies off. Jonathan arrives and finds his son's exertions have him on the brink of death. The wolves howl to signal that another leader is dying. But Superboy takes solace in the fact that the Mexicans are fine and the town leaders will realise Jonathan is not guilty of any crime. At that very moment, the battery in the space probe expires and the signal that turns Superboy into the Prince of the Wolf Pack stops transmitting. Superboy gets his powers back and is just fine. The wolves wander off to find evil elsewhere and Superboy wonders if he'll ever see his friends again. The end. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That was fantastic. And I'll be honest with you. When I first got to the first story page here, I almost thought I was reading the wrong story, that this was you know something else because I thought, okay, it's Superboy and there's a pack of wolves. And it starts out with this crazy space satellite. So I was just like, wait, what? What would this have to do with Superboy and wolves? So that really, really threw me off. What about you? Absolutely. Utterly random. I thought it was going to somehow be connected in some specific way to the wolves. But no, it's just a random happenstance that for some reason tuned in Superboy with the wolves and took his powers away. And it's really, really weird. I mean, here. It would still have been strange, but Haney might have been better off to have had some kind of spell, something going on involving the wolf, the wolf leader dying and passing on a spirit or something like that. But it's just madness. I mean, who, who knew that Smallville was close enough to Mexico to have Mexican work gangs? <laughs> yeah, there were some things in here that are, you know, a little uh, problematic for the 2020s. But, you know, uh, yeah, that uh, this whole satellite thing threw me off. It says. From outer space it comes, a lost probe from some unknown planet light years beyond our solar system, sent for who knows what purpose. <laughs> and that just really was like, wait, what? And then I haven't read a ton of Superboy either, but uh, pa, pa Kent seems a little gun happy here. Right away he hears a wolf somewhere and he's getting his gun to shoot at it. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize Pa Kent was that uh, 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 gun happy, was he? <laughs> I don't know whether he was, was gun happy, but... On the one hand, he, you know, for many, many years before he was de-aged, he was a farmer outside Smallville, so perhaps mm -hmm. there were occasional predators and he had to have a gun handy. And on the other hand, he's now running the general store, and I believe American general stores sell anything, so probably guns. Yeah, it's funny. He says about the wild dogs have been terrorizing the neighborhood. And uh, yeah, he does shoot the one. And I thought, holy moly, that's pretty wild. And he goes... He thought it was wild dogs, but then he says, my God, it wasn't a dog, but a wolf. And uh, we see that uh, uh, Adrian Lycan character, and he's really creepy looking, and he's watching this and uh, thinking to himself that, ah, wolves are my enemies. How ironic. This Jonathan Kent I must destroy has helped me by his own act of violence without their leader. The pack is no threat to me. And I don't know what you know uh, reference maybe they use for this uh, Lycan guy, but he's really super creepy. 
isn't he? Isn't he just? But I mean, calling him Lycan, you know, obviously your mind goes to Lackenthorpe and you think he's going to be a wolf man and connected to the wolves, but he's scared of the wolves. But the best thing about that panel is just Jonathan nonchalantly dragging the dead wolf out by his <laughs> by his leg. Yeah, that's a really creepy panel with the guy watching it. Like you said, yeah, there's Jonathan in the background with the gun and dragging the wolf off. And I think the moon's even in the background there. Oh, <laughs> and that's how that started with uh, the, at the top of that very first panel with Jonathan and Martha there. You hear that. Ooh. I was like, wow, that's great. Really a uh, good job there by, you know, I guess, uh, you know, maybe the uh, letterist there, right? Costanza. <laughs> he's, he's having a, yeah, because I think I think if, if I'm right, yeah, looking at this, obviously, John Costanza's not credited, but the way, there is this telltale reversed out 13 on page 13 because that's what he used to do didn't he when he before he got credit you always yeah. knew it was john the reverse out number 13 and i love too about you know that's a, a huge difference i do like when you know the artist really shows how you know super boy he he is still just like a boy like a teenager and you know his face is drawn very innocently uh here by uh bob brown and murphy anderson i like that on that first page where it shows him and uh we i should say page two i guess and uh, he's uh, gets zapped by that, you know, satellite and crawls up to the top of that mountain there and starts howling. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's just so blase about the whole thing. I, I mean, I know that he was, you know, affected by red kryptonite every couple of weeks, probably. But it's just like, you know, in this case, he doesn't know what's what's caused it, whether it's kryptonite that is going to wear off in 48 hours. He's just like, oh, I'm now the leader of the wolf pack and I've got no no powers. All fine. Yeah, and he says how they're compelling him uh, to help them with their secret mission in Smallville. <laughs> Again, I, I don't know. Maybe Haney, he might be the only one to be able to write a story like this. I, I don't know. This is this is pretty off the chain, right? It really, it really is. I mean, that, I mean, I've, I've read a lot of DC law in my times, and I've never come across this idea that you know, wandering bands of wolves are going around scaring off warlocks. Weird. Yeah, this is very crazy. And then Jonathan, he does take the the wolf carcass to the mayor and he tells him that the wolves have returned as if this is a problem they had had years ago. Right. That was really wild too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean, both, you know, both Jonathan and this guy on, on page four, say the mayor, they say, you know, it's been a hundred years. So something, there's probably an untold story there about Superboy going into the past and scaring off the wolves or something. But uh, yeah, apparently they had, they had wolves. I mean, in, I think in the, at this point, Smallville wasn't in Kansas. I think it was just outside Metropolis. Pretty much, because in the, in the in the very first Superboy story, Smallville was a, a suburb of Metropolis, and I think later mm. on it became a village not too far away from Metropolis, and then eventually moved to Kansas. But uh, still not too close to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, really. And I like how the cop is uh, getting all excited here because the mayor's like, um, "Form a posse. The, the wolves must be destroyed before anyone is hurt or worse." And the cop says, "Wolves, I can handle, Mister Mayor." But what's Superboy doing with them? I can't hunt him. And <laughs> the mayor, he's just like, yeah, I don't care. You saw him. He's gone wild. We must protect lives. So the mayor and the cop are like basically like, okay, let's just go kill Superboy too. I'm thinking, listen, at this point, he's probably saved Smallville and you know the world how many times over? And you're just going to be like, well, he's running around wolves. We have to kill him. That was a pretty wild uh, you know, scene there, right? Yeah, I mean, they should give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, I will give Chief Parker benefit of the doubt because he is his pal and he's, you know, he is reluctant. He, but he has to grab the gun because that's what the mayor, the mayor says to do. But I'm sure he won't, he won't kill Superboy unless he absolutely has to. Yeah, and then this creepy liking guy is right outside the mayor's office there. And as soon as Jonathan walks out, he grabs him by the arm and he goes, you haven't paid me for delivering that Smallville public labor contract. And he's like, Lycan, I have no time right now, man. And then that other panel where, you know, it's like a close-up on Lycan. He almost looks like a little Submariner-ish there, but he looks creepy again, right? He does with his really, really creepy ears, chin, nose. Everything's elongated and pointed. But I, that's just, it's, I did enjoy this period of Superboy when it was, you know, hot morn Park Kent. <laughs> I like how he pays the guy cash, too. He has enough cash, Pa Kent, to pay this guy for this labor contract, which I would think would be quite a, a sum of money. And he's got enough cash to pay him cash, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is certainly the first. I mean, I know Park Kent was very into civic duties, but this is the first time I've known him being the town treasurer. I've never known him being involved in labor projects. And if anything, I mean, this is Park Kent. Who's his son? Why does he need anyone to do, you know, 
to bring in possibly illegal labour. He's got Superboy as his son. Superboy who can change the course of mighty rivers, etc., etc. He can mm-hmm. do whatever's needed for free and quickly. <laughs> I love how too Lycan, he you know he's counting his money a little bit here. Which again, why does a sorcerer that can shapeshift need money? But well, whatever. <laughs> but here comes Superboy and the wolves around the corner, and he goes, "It's them. I must make my next transformation at once." And then you see him like it kind of like almost like convulsing and he changes yeah, into like this old guy, right? Like an old beggar. It's very nice. I mean, Bob Brown is so underrated. He mm-hmm. really knows how to be. And I like how Superboy uh, sees him and goes, odd, I sense my enemy here, but now nothing. Just that old duffer. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> oh, oh, oh that's, that's, that's quite, that's been used in Britain quite a lot in the, probably <laughs> in all the olden days. Well, old duffer, yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> That's great. And then they're, they've got the mob together here. You know, they got the posse together, I guess, not mob. And somehow uh, that quickly they've procured kryptonite bullets. I thought, oh, Haiti, come on, man. I know. <laughs> well, I like it in the next panel where it says, and where teenagers gather, which apparently is a basketball court or a gym. Pardon me. Bob Brown's given Pete Ross a real greaser hairstyle because back. Yeah, this would be when Superboy was in the 1950s. This is real greaser. Yeah, it's wild. And he goes, what does he say? Lana tries to talk to the two guys there. And he, he says, oh, Lana's always been soft on him. He's an alien freak. And now he's got freak wolf powers. <laughs> he, he, he ought to live here for dialogue. I'm reconsidering that. Obviously, he isn't Pete Ross. He's just another blonde kid. So Pete Ross probably has his normal hairstyle off panel. But yeah. I mean, they, they are, it's like, they're just, yeah, it's just total universal pitchfork mob. Yeah, and they, you know, this is just liking guys pretty much whip the town into a frenzy here to go kill Superboy and uh, this pack of wolves, you know, for no other reason other than they might be dangerous. And I'm thinking, unless they did something dangerous, like, why do you have to kill them? I'm thinking just like, you know, get them out of town, shoot the guns off to scare them off into, you know, out of the, out of, get them out of town and let them just go live their life. Yeah, no idea what's going on in his mind. And also the idea that, that Jonathan, that John, I mean, I love Jonathan Kent, the idea that he's he's the most moral man in town. But you think again, who's his son? Superboy. Maybe maybe he should be killing Superboy as well. Mm-hmm. And I love how then Kent goes to the, uh, you know, uh, mountain construction camp where he's got these uh, uh, Mexican guys as his labor here. And then <laughs> he says, I'm afraid so, Manuel. Superboy's running with a wolf pack. Now I must go find him before those townspeople. And uh, Manuel says, no, Senor Kent, we have seen no lupos led by Super Muchacho. <laughs> what? Yeah. I've no idea what Muchacho means. Super La Cucaracha. No idea. Mm. Don't be deeply racist. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But it's in the next panel, there's there's the posse. And it, they're all got their guns and start shooting at Superboy and the wolves. And the bullets in the next panel then are heading like right at his face. Yep, he's not phased though. He knows the heat vision will melt those bullets. Mm-hmm. Well, he has no heat vision, right? Because now he's just got wolf powers, not invulnerability, and he gets shot here. I was shocked. I know, I know, but happily he seemed to put his head far back enough that those bullets that were heading straight for his face didn't hit his Kryptonian visage. Mm, no. How about the wolves carrying him off there too? <laughs> That's a great panel. They're very cute. And did you know how it said? Bob Haney keeps referring to the wolves as grey when the colour is brown all the way through. Yes, I did see that. I'm just thinking to myself. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're not grey, dude. But yeah, so <laughs> somebody goes, uh, one of the, the guys here that's uh, part of the posse, I shot Superboy, that rotten kid. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, come on, what do you mean rotten kid? I know, he's he, lovely. He didn't even do anything yet. I mean, it's like they're they're thinking they might, Superboy and the Wolves might do something, but they still have done nothing. But he's a rotten kid, and I guess uh, he had gotten him with a uh, a kryptonite bullet there, right? Because the, the guy pulled the bullet out of him. It's apparently, I like the idea that, you know, Manuel's not a doctor, but he does act as a doctor for the people, so maybe he's an actor. <laughs> maybe he plays one on TV, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, but he, I, I do think to myself, if they like, but but would a kryptonite bullet, if he doesn't have his powers, hurt him? Wouldn't a regular bullet hurt him just as much? <laughs> exactly. You think you know, a kryptonite bullet would kill him just as would kill an unpowered Kryptonian as easily as it would a super 
bullet would kill a pouch Kryptonian. Should just be exactly the same. I mean, obviously the story does make the point that the regular bullets can kill him, but why don't the Kryptonite bullets kill him? Yeah, I really like that panel at the bottom of page seven there with Superboy. It's like a, a zoomed in on him and the uh, Kryptonite bullet there. I like that. Yeah, he looks totally, totally alarmed. Big, big eyes, big mouth. And you know, the next panel, when he's on the bed, the body language, where he's just worried about the whole thing. You know, I must not fail my special mission. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> he still hasn't explained to any of us what the special mission is, though. It's like that's kind of a big secret here until the end, right? Absolutely. There's, there's no, there's no particular reason why I tell Manuel not to trust Jonathan Kent that I can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do say it, it found this interesting, too. It, Superboy does say to Manuel, he says, you and your people are in deadly danger here. You must leave the camp. And Manuel says, has this game you play robbed you of your senses, too? This work is important to us. Besides, Senior Kent is our protector. And he goes, no, he is your worst enemy. <laughs> it's like, oh. It's out of nowhere. Bizarre. And the guy, Manuel, please, my ears do not hear this nonsense. Out of respect for what you were, we never saw you here. Adios. <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, goodness me. And here's Martha, too. Uh, Jonathan is, uh, he's tired from all this running around. So he says, I'm exhausted. I searched everywhere. Our only hope is he can evade the hunters. Like, oh, well, I'm tired. I need to take a nap. If they shoot him, I guess they shoot him. <laughs> oh, I mean, surely they have a dog whistle that can summon crypto to go and sort things out. <laughs> and then the old duffer is knocking at the door here, and he says, you don't know me, Mr. Kent, but I know you. You hired illegal immigrants through one Adrian Lichen. And he goes, whoever you are, Lichen gave me legal papers on those Mexicans. I have them here. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> and he goes, they're forgeries. Observe the seal, unnumbered and undated. Lycan is notorious for such tricks. Good heavens, I noticed. I never noticed, but this could ruin me. So I'm thinking, again, if he works for, you know, the town and the treasurer and he's, you know, doing these labor contracts and stuff like that, he's not very good at it because there's these things that an old duffer is pointing out to him that were illegal. So it's like, uh, Jonathan, it's time to step down from that position, my friend. It really is. Well, I mean, this, given this and Bob Haley's story, every character, the most intelligent character, can carry the idiot stick, the idiot ball, whatever. Because <laughs> whatever the classic story, forget any previously existing character traits of intelligence. They're all just stupid. Yeah, and he goes, good heavens, I never noticed, but this could ruin me. Leave me open for prosecution. And uh, the old duffer says, no need, Mr. Kent. Only you and I know, and I can be discreet for a price. What? Blackmail? Get out. Get out of here. So he kicks uh, the old duffer out, which, again, we know is really lichen in disguise, right? Absolutely. But there's Martha, you know, Martha sort of being very, very panicky. It's like some evil presence is menacing our family. I mean, that line took me straight back to, do you remember the uh, the Bob Haney Teen Titans one where, where Donna Troy becomes a witch? Oh, yeah, I think I have read that one. Yeah, the demons are menacing the old man and the young boy who turns out to be a demon. And that's full of talk of, you know, evil presence. And Bob Haney in the early 70s, he just like total Rosemary's baby all over the place. Yeah, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think I talked about that issue with the checkered pass guys on one of my very first episodes. <laughs> yeah, that was oh. the first ever team I bought. Wonderful oh. song. Yeah, that's so, so good. And then. Again, I love these little boxes where they say about transitions. Not long after, <laughs> then we see Superboy with the wolves, and uh, they're uh, watching uh, watching the house here, right? And he goes, stay, brothers. There's danger here. Hmm, the car and dad are gone. I must find him soon before he's completely entrapped. So again, we can see something's going on here behind the scenes that Superboy knows about, but nobody else does. And oh, but here we go back to the camp with the uh, illegal workers, right? What is when Superboy looking at the street? Three little black things. Are they meant to be people carrying guns, members of the mob or something? I think so, yeah. They're the posse. And back at the mountain construction camp, and uh, the Manuel says, we are in the States illegally, but Senior Lichen had official papers. And Kent says, forgeries, Manuel. He tricked your people and me. Until I can fix things, you all must lay low at my farm outside Smallville. And he has this gigantic truck here uh, with like a canvas over the back of it. And he says, 
Rope yourselves together. If we meet any trouble, I'll say you're a prison work gang. He's probably also the, the town prison officer now at this point. And another thing is like he sold the Smallville farm to buy the, the Smallville shop. There's no Smallville farm anymore. Oh my gosh. And then uh, Manuel says, see, Senor Kent. And he thinks to himself, Super Muchacho said not to trust him. But a loco who runs with wolves, who can believe him? <laughs> a loco. <laughs> Manuel needs oh. Manuel needs to think for himself and go for option three. Don't believe Jonathan. Don't believe Superboy. You just do throw yourself on the mercy of the authorities with their guns and pitchforks and things. Yeah, and then poor Jonathan. He's trying to get these guys to safety and kind of let this all blow over. But he, there's a log in the middle of the road. This is almost like a, a Friday the 13th with Jason Voorhees here. And <laughs> Jonathan gets out to move the log, and the truck starts up and almost comes at him and runs him over. And it's Lycan, and he's, uh, Lycan's at the wheel. Where'd he come from? The log, it's fading away. So it was a fake log, and then Lycan's driving the truck and says, ha, ha, ha. Well, you, you know you know it's going to go along, because look at the colors of that truck. <laughs> right? It's purple and green, the colors of evil. Indeed, no chance whatsoever. <laughs> and then this is wild. He pulls the truck onto a bridge. And tries to kill these guys. And I thought, why is he doing this? Why does he need to kill these guys? This is really crazy. I suppose because he wants Jonathan Kent to be brought down completely. So the worse things are, the more despair Jonathan Kent feels. And then he wins. Because that is all he wants. And he just wants Jonathan Kent to be a broken man. Yeah, it was wild. I thought, I can't believe he's trying to kill these guys. But Super Wolf Boy and his wolf pack jump into the uh, water where... Uh, Lycan try to kill these guys, dump them in from the bridge, uh, and they uh, jump in and save them. That was, that was pretty cool. I didn't know how they were going to get out of this pickle. I know, and then look at the caption. Yet as the human chain plunges beneath the river's frothing fury, suddenly grey furry torpedoes intercept them. <laughs> grey furry torpedoes. <laughs> uh, I don't know how good a swimmer's wolves are either. I don't know about this. This is a little fishy here, but yeah. So back in town, Jonathan's in big trouble, right, with the cop. Kent, you're under arrest for fraud, illegal importation of aliens, and murder. And he goes, I can explain about the Mexicans, but murder? And he goes, this blackmail letter to you came into my hands. It revealed those Mexicans are illegal, and then he calls them wetbacks. I'm like, oh my gosh, Haney. I've never heard that expression. What is that? Is that bad? Oh, yeah, that's a, a term for uh, uh, Mexican people that cross the border through the river. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on, Haney, man, really? And he goes, uh, Kent says, I, I didn't know that. Their entry papers seem genuine. And he goes, what about this check you made out to yourself as town treasurer as reimbursement for the labor? It's impossible to know what you really paid. And he goes, I gave Lycan the supplier cash. It was a foolish mistake. And I thought, yeah, if you think about that. That is pretty stupid on Jonathan's part because it is, it is stupid and it's damning. I did laugh though when when Chief Parker accuses him of the, of the illegal importation of aliens because that's what he did with Super Baby. <laughs> that's true, but I love how then, oh my gosh, the chief of police he goes, "Your biggest mistake was dumping those poor men in the river to drown to avoid the blackmailer and cover everything up. We found the truck and these, and of course, there's a bunch of sombreros." <laughs> Good grief. I mean, Tate Parker is one of Jonathan's best friends in the world. There's no way he wouldn't be, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, let's investigate this. Especially if he's then, you know, inclined to leave the jail door open for him to get out again. Yeah, and then the, the mayor steps in and says, too bad, Jonathan. I hate to see a good man gone wrong. Chief, lock him up. And they're about to lock him up. And then this other strange guy comes in and the mayor says, come in, Yancey. As a professional bounty hunter, you must exterminate that wolf pack and Superboy, too, if necessary. So uh, the, the the mayor, it's it's we're going full on jaws here. They've hired a bounty hunter. I know. I'm not voting for this mayor because he's just he's just bloodthirsty. <laughs> yeah. And Kent, uh, Jonathan says, exterminate Superboy. You can't. You mustn't. Because, of course, he knows the secret. He starts sweating. And <laughs> the guy says. Uh, Yancey, I'm paid to kill, and I'll kill Superboy with a kryptonite slug if he doesn't abandon those wolves. And the mayor, exactly. We're done fooling around. I think, what do you mean fooling around? You already shot him once with a bullet. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that, that mayor looks a little bit like Julie Schwartz to me. 
<laughs> he does. But yeah, he's lost it. I love how he's, you know, pointing his finger in the air like we're through screwing around. I like that. Mm, and then yet they throw him in jail. There's Kent. It says, and when Kent is left alone, he goes, Yancey's eyes so weirdly familiar. Good stars. I know who he really is. And he goes, the door's open. Parker must have done it to help me and Superboy. So his buddy, the chief, didn't really lock him up right. No, oh, good old Chief Parker. He'd be like, invited to the next barbecue at the head garden. <laughs> and then, but now in the hills, a deadly hunter relentlessly tracks his quarry. And it says, Superboy's footprints. And without his wolf comrades, how perfect for me. One shot is all I need. And then uh, all of a sudden now we finally get to what's really going on here, right? With Superboy and he uh, knows who this is. He does liken you, Arch Creep. I've been expecting you. And he's pointing at him. But I mean, I don't know, it's Superboy should at least protect himself a little bit because he knows he has no powers. Mm-hmm. Seems to assume he's invulnerable to any bullets still. Yeah, and uh, Lycan says, so you know who I truly am. Useless knowledge now as a kryptonite bullet ends your life. And he shoots uh, and he goes, have I got news for you? I'm immune to kryptonite in my present state, which, you know, again, like we've said, he, he, he kind of is immune to kryptonite, but a bullet's a bullet. It's still going to kill him. And I mean, he, he didn't recognize Lycan when he was no duffer, so why is he recognizing him now? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Maybe his wolf pack told him. <laughs> that must be, yeah, the smell of warlock. <laughs> and this is pretty wild here. I didn't. I thought to myself, wow, like this Lycan guy, he's got some really wild powers. So not only can he shapeshift and do all these other things, he can also like teleport too, right? He kind of power. He, he, can le- he can levitate by pointing his arm. He can levitate Superboy. Very impressive. And, you know, Superboy, obviously, you know, is not immune to magic, so there should be no battle here. Superboy's got no powers, and this man has magic. Should be dead. And I love how Superboy does have his uh, shoulder wrapped from that earlier uh, gunshot wound, right? Yeah, but he's a tough kid. He's Mm -hmm. managing it. And he says to Superboy, you already know I'm a great war, a warlock of great skill, right, Prince of Wolves? And he goes, yes, my allies told me everything, how you came to destroy Jonathan Kent because he was our finest citizen. So that's what this is really all about. Lycan's trying to destroy Jonathan because he's their finest citizen. Which doesn't say much the rest of the citizens. I mean, Markhead, she's just as good. Let us say Superboy, he's a citizen. Mm, I just thought, wow. So this guy traveled from wherever to destroy one good citizen in Smallville. That's a... That's an interesting way to uh, go about your uh, warlock hood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I presume he's he's doing like an, an anti anti Bruce Banner going from town to town instead of helping people, just destroying the best people he finds there. <laughs> I do like this crazy bit of artwork where uh, Superboy he elevates him in the air with his crazy magic warlock powers, and then he has the and I don't know are they stalactites or stalagmites, whatever ones hang from the ceiling. It's like tits go down, hands go up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he uses his magic to use them like fingers to grab him, and he's going to shoot him. But then all of a sudden, he kind of breaks away from them, and it's kind of weird. He says, my superpowers may be gone, but I've got the strength of a full-grown timber wolf. And I thought to myself, I don't think even a full-grown timber wolf can break solid like stone. I don't even know what timber, all I know is timber wolf is in the Legion. And I don't know what Timberwolf is as opposed to a wolfy wolf. What's the difference? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But I don't think any wolf, no matter what it is, unless it's a full-grown werewolf, is breaking those uh, things. (laughs) None of it makes sense, does it? Yeah, and then uh, Lycan says, your neck scratched, so your invulnerability is gone. Then any bullet, kryptonite or not, can kill you. And Superboy says, he's wise, but he doesn't know. I'm also without my superpowers. And then he says, uh, everything is just worked out. Yeah, and then he says, I'm still super agile, Lycan. Hit me if you can. And it almost looks like he's jumping around, but like flying around too. Yeah, I mean, super agility is not a power. And if it is a power, that would have gone with the rest of the powers. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Then he does jump to uh, try to get to a certain ledge as uh, our buddy Lycan here is shooting away. And then all of a sudden, crack, zip. And he does shoot him. It looks like right in the back, right? It looks very painful. Yep. And only yeah, only only one thing he can do now. <laughs> he howls like a wolf. And then here come the wolves to get Lycan. And it says uh, 
<clears throat> likened things to himself to wolves. But there were no tracks leading here. Superboy tricked me. My magic has no power against them. Their fangs will destroy me. And this was crazy, too. I thought, what is he, a vampire? He turns into a bat? <laughs> this is wild. Well, we need him to be. And I thought, okay, like, they're going to get him. Nope. He just gets away, right? He does. He does. And there's, you know, there's, I don't know whether Bob Haney might have had a sequel in mind or had him pop up somewhere else, but Lycan never returns. Superboy never gives a second thought to, ca to tracking him down. He just gets away with it after all this mischief. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, no, what? Why'd they let him get away? Like, come on, Haney. You needed to, you know, have Superboy or the Wolves. Get that guy. Yeah, and surely the Comics Code Authority, which was still there at this point, would have had a rule that, you know, evil has to be thwarted by the end. Mm-hmm. Apparently not in Haney's world, though, on on Earth, Earth, Earth B, I guess, or Earth H, whatever. <laughs> and he looks like he's ready to die here. And Jonathan's like all upset about it. And I like that panel where he, you know, Jonathan's kind of holding the Superboy's head up and there's a, a wolf howling in the background there. That's very, very good. Very low little wolf there. But I mean, the emotion's brilliant on Jonathan's face and Superboy with his eyes closed. And he looks like wearing false eyelashes to Superboy, but it's a lovely panel. And then for no apparent reason, we go back out into space to the satellite. It's, it says, must even a Superboy die? But now, a quarter of a million miles away, the batteries in the alien space probe expire and its strange garbled signal ceases. So the crazy satellite that was sending a signal to rob Superboy of his powers but make him a super wolf boy, uh, they fade away, right? Back to normal. Absolutely. It's just sensitive. You just Put some effort in Haney. Mm, and then Jonathan, Clark, you're yourself again. But but what caused it? And he goes, uh, Clark says, maybe whatever changed me in the first place, some freak of fate we may never understand. And then they're leaving back through the secret entrance Lycan was unaware of. And farewell, brothers. Our mission is done. Perhaps we'll meet again someday. And that's a pretty cool panel there at the Wolves Walk. Fantastic. Right? Look, I'm in the foreboding in the Wolves' eyes, and they never do meet again, sadly. Yeah, sadly is right, because that was crazy. I <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that story. How about you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I give it a nine out of ten for Zany Hanius because it's just it's just utterly nutty. But I, I think I think I I think I mentioned that uh when I was doing my research and having look looking back at things, I came across an older Superboy cover because of from Superboy number hundred and sixteen back in about nineteen sixty four, I think when I was being born. And a story called The Wolf Boy of Smallville, incredibly similar cover, except we have Superboy running with the wolves in a different direction. And then you have Chief Parker at the back with a gun with Lana Lang saying, it's true, Lana, Superboy has abandoned the human race to become king of a wolf pack. So obviously, you know, knowing the way that DC had this old idea that uh, the audience changed at least every five years, I thought, well, they've done that thing that they do sometimes where they just re redo a story. With you know, updated slightly, but I look, I look, had a, had a cheeky way look at the original story, completely different. In the original story, the wolves turn out to be not actually wolves, but an, 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 uh, a bunch of alien refugees who've come to Earth and changed into wolves. And <laughs> I, I can't do it justice, you know, have a little boy 116 at some point. But obviously, the cover concept was so strong, they thought, let's write another story around it. And Haney thought, I can be more sensible than that. <laughs> oh yeah sure <laughs> yeah when you sent sorry yeah when you sent me that other cover i was like wait what and i'm like oh maybe this is you know maybe this is just a reprint of that or he, something like that but no it's not they're both just original stories yeah yeah absolutely i mean both both covers drawn drawn by kurt swan whereas the original was inked by sheldon Moldoff and the second one was by murphy anderson but i mean you know the wolves still recognize to be kurt swan wolves so well done, that man. Yeah, like you said, there was the crazy uh, Legion story where it was uh, the origin of uh, Bouncing Boy in there as well. And that uh, was uh, from Adventure Comics 301. So if anybody wants to kind of track that down, you can. And that was uh, Jerry Siegel, uh, John Forte, <coughs> and Milt Snappin' on that one. And then <laughs> what about this second story in here about uh, Superboy, Clark Kent, Madcap Millionaire? This was uh, insane as well. This was. Oh, I, can do, I can do this one in three lines if you like. Yeah, this one was a uh, script Leo Dorfman, but otherwise, same thing, Bob Brown, Murphy Anderson, and John Costanza. So, yeah, what about this one? Well, this one, 
It's a never previously mentioned rich brother of either Jonathan or Martha wants to adopt Clark and make him his heir. Uncharacteristically, Clark suggests a two-week trial adoption, hurting his parents' feelings. Immediately, he begins acting like a spoiled brat with no respect for property, life or limb. It turns out Clark suspected that someone was trying to kill Uncle Kendall, and he's coming up with various charades to protect him. After revealing the would-be killer, Clark returns home and everyone's happy. <laughs> yeah, this was crazy. I thought to myself, what is this insanity? Like, have they ever mentioned... You know, uh, an Uncle Kendall before. Like, this was crazy. I don't remember one other. In, I, oh, it's so many years since I've read it. But in, in, the, in the late Bronze Age, I had, a, I think, World of Small in one of those three-part miniseries. And I think at that point, Martha Kent had a rich man who was trying to court her. So maybe she has rich family links. But basically, no, they've just made it up. Mm, I do love, like you said. I was wondering where Dorfman was going with this story, though, because, you know... At first, Clark's just like, oh, no, no, I don't want to be, you know, your adopted son. I want to stay with, you know, my mom and dad. It's going to be great. But then it's like, you know, hey, this could all be yours. And he shows him this crazy sports car and he jumps in it like, wow, this is going to be great. And he takes off and drives it right into a brick wall. <laughs> it's just, it is just strange business all, all around. It's just... I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if there actually was an adaptation of an earlier story. It's mm. just bizarre. Yeah, it's wild. And then it does on the actual comic. It says story by Jeff Brown. And I remember saying to you uh, a couple of weeks ago, like, "What, Jeff Brown? Who the heck is that?" And you were like, "Ah, it's a pseudonym for Leo Dorfman." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, Leo Dorfman. He's. I wouldn't say he's Haney level crazy, but he's wrote some pretty wild stories too." He really was. I think the editor Murray Bolton just encouraged people to go wild. I mean, and he, and he also had a story in a couple of issues later ascribed to David Andrews, but that was him as well. So I don't know whether he was trying to fool the accountants at DC or whether he just was embarrassed by some of the stories, but at least three pseudonyms in one comic book within six months of each other or something. Well, sorry, two pseudonyms in one presumably real name, Leo Dorfman. But yeah, it, it, it is it is bonkers. But again, it's a good value, a little yarn in just, what, 10 pages or something? Yeah, 10 pages, yeah. So it, it you know, moves pretty quickly. But yeah, until, you know, they kind of let on as to what, you know, Superboy was really doing, because he turns into like a real jerk. Like, you know, this rich uncle of his is all like, oh, come live with me. You can, you know, you know, uh, take all of the advantages of my wealth. But like, you know, he smashes his car. What else does he do? He does something else crazy too. Oh, they go uh, like scuba diving, and he um, he uses his you know doesn't he like pop the raft the guys on or something like that yeah, too? Yeah, like, but, uh, and it, it does turn out that you know both were what he believed were murder attempts on his uncle, so he was doing them. He had to disguise the fact he was saving his uncle's life without giving his identity away. So he was doing it with the best reason. But I mean, the fact that you know for two weeks you know Mon Park Kent are in such pain, he could have just winked at them as they were leaving, or he could have visited them in the middle of the night and says, I'll be back soon. I'm just trying to save this out of nowhere uncle's life. It's but no, you've got you've got to have the little angst in there. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, it would have been nice if they would have known her. But I guess, you know, if it showed him letting them know, then, you know, we, the reader, would have known as well. And that would have kind of, <laughs> you know, put a, put a damper on it, right? It is true. But, I mean, given give they have a scene whereby, you know, where, where he says, I'll come for two weeks. And, and, you know, Hot Park Ken says, Clark, I want to talk to you privately. And then he's off there with his Ma and Pa in a fantastic silhouette panel. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure Leo Dorfman could have come up with a way in which, he tells them without tipping the reader off, you know, just, I don't know. It just, it, it upsets me. I think it's because I've so many, as you know, so many sort of sil silver and golden age comics, you know, we're, we're pulling the reader's heartstrings by having, you know, like Robin think he was going to be sort of dumped by Batman or Lana Lang thinking <laughs> Superboy hit And it's just, oh, just cheap, cheap heartstring pulling obviously works every time. Yeah, I will say, too, my favorite page of that story is uh, page seven, where it shows trains, because I love when they show trains in comics. And they're at, this guy is so rich, he has his own trains and train station, like not model trains, like serious, like regular trains that are, you know, uh, blasting around on railroad tracks. And I love how, too, they are uh, both uh, in full uh, uh, engineer gear there, too. Hey, <laughs> Jones, Stephen and <laughs> How about that panel with Clark up in the train? 
have you ever been on a steam train? I have, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, they yeah, have a lot. There are quite a few around here still. Oh, they are. There's, there's one around here because there's a place called Bournemouth around here. And once a year they have it. And look, they've got an Art Deco cinema that survived in the town, the Hippodrome. And they have an, uh, a silent movie festival where they, you know, they have the commission new, new soundtracks to be played live with silent movies. It's absolutely wonderful. But one of the events they have every year is they have a, there's a local steam, you know, restored steam railway there at the railway station and they put you have a you have a meal you have a meal you know very simple meal in the railway station then you go outside and sit outside on the railway platform in the open air with green with blankets on you because it's always in march and it's cold and they project old you know ancient old uh wind tin tin type stories and women tied to the railway tracks you know always real themed short mm. adventure stuff and it's just fantastic it's so atmospheric you know brilliant yeah. stuff that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully there's there's better people running it than Uncle Kendall and Clark here, though, right? <laughs> yeah, happily it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't you know it doesn't go over any nasty bridges. But but I mean that outfit is totally Casey Jones, isn't it? Yeah, it's too funny. He goes, <clears throat> "This is Uncle Kendall. Start calling me Dad. After all, everything I have will be yours one day. Looks like my men already fired up my favorite engine. I'll show you how to run her." And then uh, Clark, who looks more like Jughead there than he does Clark, I think, he goes, I can handle it. I've seen lots of Westerns on TV and in the movies. Anybody knows how to run one of these old tea kettles. And he's like, but Clark, you're like, hold on. And he pushes him off the train. Yeah, well, actually, in, in that second panel, where, you know, <laughs> with Clark, and Clark's face, he looks like sort of offensive comic book Chinese. He does, and after he pushes him off, uh, Uncle Kendall, why, you young whippersnapper. <laughs> well, Uncle Kendall deserves it because, I mean, the lack of sensitivity is like, start calling me dad. You know, it's like, I don't know who, whether it's his brother or whether it's his sister, but he's, he's just a terrible brother. Mm-hmm. And then he's got some secret controls here to stop the train, and he does stop it, and uh, he tells Clark, you know, he's in big trouble, and then he's like, oh, no, please give me another chance. And uh, he says... I never, this is when he must, uh, after he calls uh, Jonathan and Martha, and he says, I never saw a more selfish, impudent boy. He isn't worthy to inherit my fortune. You can have him back on a silver platter. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It's it crazy. Really, it really is. I mean, it's a wonder, you know, did, did he ever die? Did he give any money to Mom Paul Kent? Who knows? Yeah, and then this is basically when uh, Clark tells them, and obviously us, the reader, about this, uh, this guy, uh, Larry Frayne, who's uh, his lawyer, that's basically trying to kill him and embezzling his money and all that jazz, right? Absolutely. But see, boys, you know, he's, he's got a sting operation on the go. He's going to go and ca- catch him. Mm-hmm. I like how he dresses up again in the uh, train uh, conductor uh, gear there, too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. It's mm-hmm. a new scene. action figure. Mm, and then this guy almost gets killed too because he's trying to sabotage the uh, the train, uh, the trestle there, the the bridge, and yeah, uh, he almost gets killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's funny too. His this Uncle Kendall, he reminds me of someone as well. I don't know if they use some photo reference from a film or something, but you know it's like a stately looking man with his gray mustache and gray hair. Kind of reminds me of somebody. Bad uh, Veronica Lodge's dad. Who knows. <laughs> maybe <laughs> but yeah that was a fun one too i you know not quite as good as the uh the first story there the haney story but it was a lot of fun too right yeah, it really is and just some of the artwork the action sequences are great and that that final panel where you, you know super boys looking down at frame the evil accountant you know mm-hmm. trapped, the evil with his glasses skew with the sweat and his mouth dripping is like it's just brilliant panels yeah, I mean, I, hey, like we said, you know, you have people like, uh, you know, Bob Brown, very underrated kind of guy, and then Murphy Anderson was an incredible inker, right? Oh, he could make, I mean, I was he could make anyone look good, but Bob Brown already looked good. Bob Brown could look good with Vince Galletta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his, too. I haven't had a ton of his stuff, you know, in my collection, but what I have seen, I really, really like. talented guy. I was always glad to see him wherever he showed up. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, uh, anything else to say about this one? No, no. Just I, I say I, I, I listen to the period when I began buying new suit boy shoes myself. I, I, I love the whole the small milieu. I love the fact that his parents were now younger. I love the new 
the new Superboy logo almost as much as I love the old Superboy logo. Every issue of Superboy was just so wild and wacky with him, you know, with him sort of seeing magical mirrors that were aging him or, you know, being a teen super tot in the jungle. You know, people melting on the covers. You never knew what you were going to get in Superboy. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're not kidding. Really, really good stuff. So, yeah, anybody at, uh, you know, you see this one uh, in the bin somewhere, grab it because uh, it's, uh, of course, it's, you know, it's going to get my uh, thumbs up because it's Zany Haney, but uh, great artwork in it as well as a crazy wild story. <laughs> People will get the money's worth. I'd, l- I'd love to hear if anybody else has read this issue. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here, my friend. So, uh, if anybody's looking for you, where can they find you out there? Your blog and on Twitter still, right? Yeah, I've got a blog called Too Dangerous for a Girl. I'm on Twitter at the moment, still there, at March Gray. I'm on various other social media platforms, can't remember what they're called. I'm on the Facebook. And if you, if you want to find me, you'll find me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, you uh, haunt some uh, forums out there as well. Fire water guys, you're out there, forums a lot, uh, poking around, right? I'm around there, and then occasionally I just, I just go to the next town to try and find a solid citizen and break them down. <laughs> oh fantastic so all right man well i really appreciate you joining me for this one and uh looking forward to some more stuff down the road you know we're going to be talking about some more earth 2 stuff over on uh, a world on fire as well and then uh, something else in uh, down the road here as well either here or maybe even a horror book i can get you on for huh oh I'm, i'll be there yes and anytime you want me or prince of the podcasting pack i'm there fantastic so all right well that's gonna uh, take us out here so uh uh, stay tuned uh, because two more weeks after you hear this there will be another episode of the show out with another fun guest so that's gonna do it for this one